0: You may be seated, uh, hey, Micaiah crushed that, didn't she, she, she didn't find out she was singing that song till this morning. One of our vocalists was up all night sick and she was scheduled to sing, but she was going to sing back up and she got here and Ryan was like, guess what? Um, you're and she just owned it and crushed it. And so y'all give her a, y'all let her know how much we, um, this, this is a time of year where tension is just in the air. It's, it's tense. It's, it's going to get tense this week uh, because we're, we're going to have to hang out with people that if we weren't related to them, we wouldn't hang out with them. They're called family, extended family. And it's tense. It's, in fact, some, some, I know some people, you've probably been on like, ancestry.com to try to disprove that that's your family because you don't want to hang out with these people because there's always that one guy who wants to talk politics, there's one guy who wants to talk football and it just gets tense. It's tense in traffic. Traffic this time of year, people when they get in their car, our IQs just lower. And if you think you're where you need to be and you're walk with Jesus, I dare you to get on Clemson Boulevard and try to go anywhere in the month of December. I promise you, you'll go backwards in your walk with Jesus. You can't lose your salvation. But if you could, what would happen on that road right out there. Amen? Okay. So um, lines in grocery stores and shopping, they get longer. It, there's just tension. There's tension in church. I can stand out front and watch the couples come in. And point out the ones that are happy and point out the ones that just got in a fight. Because if you're married, you know, on the way to church is when you have your most vicious knockdown dragouts and you have to get out of the car and pretend to love Jesus and love each other. And then, so you're walking in. I had this conversation right out in this lobby. I knew this couple. They walked in. I was like, How y'all doing? He was like, Why don't you ask her? <laughs> How y'all doing? She was like, Ugh. And they both walked away, and I, I understood there was a great disturbance in the force. I mean, I, I could see that there was some, some tension. Now, we all, all of us have tension in our life. It's, it's just there. But tonight, in particular, I want to talk about spiritual tension. I want to talk to you about that tension that all of us feel in our relationship with Jesus. At some point, at some point, God is going to ask us to take a step and our walk with Jesus, that we, we know we should do it, we know it's the right thing, but in order to do it, we're gonna to have to walk away from this. And there's tension, because we know we should do this, but we want to do this. And that's a tough place to be. Tension. There's, there's also tension because... um. People like me, pastors, sometimes we say stuff and, and man, I try my best to not get internet famous in the wrong way. But I remember hearing a pastor say this years ago and I was like, no, that's not true. We say stuff like this and this causes tension in the body of Christ. When Pat now I put lie up next to this phrase I'm about to share because I, I don't want to get memed on the internet because I don't believe this. Um, but there's tension because we get told sometimes following Jesus makes life easier. Now, do you know how much I wish that were true? I, oh, my gosh, do you know how easy it would be to get people to convert to Christianity if, if that were true right there? If I could say, listen, if you'll give your life to Jesus, you'll get a raise at work. Your kids will get in the college they want. Your dog will never run away. Your cat will run away. I mean, I could make all these promises. but And, and we get told this stuff, and then we discover that following Jesus isn't easy because he never said it would be easy. In fact, Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. Doesn't sound like an easy life. So with all that in mind, we're gonna step back and we're gonna hang out with Abraham for one more Sunday. We've seen, we've seen God do a lot in Abraham and Sarah's life over the past five or six weeks, am I right? I mean, he's done, I mean, God's been working, he's been moving, but Abraham is about to face one of the most intense things that any, like, I can't even imagine what Abraham, the, the, the tension that he had to feel. And so we're gonna walk through that. The other thing, and this, y'all, I'm not gonna, you know what, I'm not gonna ask you to forgive me. I'm just gonna tell y'all, as I'm teaching this all day long, I've gotten way more excited than I thought I would. And this is why Genesis 22, the passage of scripture we're gonna study tonight is literally the gospel presentation You're going to see Jesus in the book of Genesis 22, and I don't care how many times you've read it, I'm gonna point out some things. Jesus is all through the Bible, all through the Old Testament. He's making appearances left and right. But tonight, and and the stuff I'm gonna teach y'all, I've never taught this because I've never seen it. I got so excited this morning that I almost took a lap. And when the lap happens, it'll probably be at five o'clock. So I'm going to need y'all to be with me. Are y'all with me right now? Are y'all with me? Okay, so here we go. Genesis 22, verse one. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Now, side note, Abraham didn't know about that part. He didn't know he was about to get tested. So the Bible says, Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied. Here I am. And why wouldn't he say, yes, here I am? Because so far... Every time God has shown up, Abraham's gotten a blessing out of it or a promise. Abraham, I'm a, I'm a, I need you to move from this land and go to this land. And when you get there, I'm gonna bless you and you're gonna get livestock and I'm gonna bless you with, your, with riches and then I'm gonna give you and Sarah a son and it's gonna be a miracle. So every time God is talking to Abraham, Abraham's like, "Yes." Yeah. So when God speaks, it says, Abraham. Abraham's like, oh, time for another blessing. Lay it on me, God. What do you want me to do this time? Just just speak. I am so ready to hear whatever you got to say. And this next verse is so disturbing. It's so disturbing that. I'll just read it. Take your son. Your only son. Side note. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. You see it? Y'all, it's going to happen. It's, it's just in here. His only son. Joseph, y'all see that? Uh-huh. Got a few head nods. Stay with me. <laughs> yes, Isaac, whom you love so much. Side note, this is the first time the word love appears in the Bible, ever. You don't find love until this passage. Whom you love so much for God so loved the world. Y'all see it? It gets better. Stay with me. Yes, Isaac, the one you love so much. Go to the land of Moriah. This is before she had that Christmas CD. She had a land. Um, I, see, I like that. It's, it's a little corny. It's actually bad. Go. Oh, by the way, by the way, by the way, um, they called it the land of Moriah back then but if we were to look at it today on the map, we would actually call it Jerusalem. So take your only son, the one that you love to Jerusalem, wait for it, go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. Now, if you're a parent, You've obviously been frustrated with your kid from time to time. But, like, if you get frustrated, time out or take their phone or take their car keys. There's not a parent in the room going, yeah, hey, we're going to Table Rock after the service. I think God might. This is this is horrifying. And reading it before I had a daughter and reading it, ha- Oh my god, this for me, this would be a hard no. Nope, done, not doing it. But you gotta realize just a couple things before we move forward. During this time period, all the gods, all the gods required child sacrifice. Child sacrifice was very common during this time period. And before we pause and before before we point our fingers and call them Barbaric for sacrificing children, I, I think we gotta stop and deal with the fact that we kill around three or four thousand babies a day. We just don't call it child sacrifice, we call it abortion. Y'all feel that? Now here's the deal: if you're in this room and you've had an abortion, this is what I want you to know: you are forgiven, it is under the blood of Jesus. He knew you were gonna do that before he created you and he created you anyway. He loves you, you're forgiven and he wants you to focus on your future, not your past. Satan puts your focus on the past. God wants you to focus on the future and there's still life in you. I want you to know that. But when you're looking at this, I mean, this is, this is disturbing. I remember the first time I heard this story, I was in Miss Wiggins' Sunday school class at United Wesleyan Church. Now Miss Wiggins was old. I mean, when I say old, Miss wi- <laughs> Wiggins was teaching Sunday school when God was a baby. All right. I mean, she was old, and she was talking about how much Abraham loved God, and and the father was going to sacrifice the son. And it was, and they showed like a picture like this. And I'm like, ah, uh, sucks to be this guy right here. I mean, let let's talk about this guy right here for just a second. I mean, it's kind of nice that he covered his eyes, but did, that, did it really matter at this point? I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, and from Isaac's point of view, this is horrifying. And then Ms. Wiggins is like, and, and Abraham loved God so much, and I'm sitting there thinking, oh gosh, see, because my mom was always in church, and my dad went through phases. He would have a godly phase, and then a hellion phase, and at that time, he was in a hellion phase, and I was like, I hope he don't come out of that, because... If God starts speaking to him and I wind up like that, that's going to suck, obviously. So I was literally terrified that God was going to tell my father to kill me because it's in the Bible. But By the way, not all stories in the Bible are safe for children, especially this one out of context. But I found out when I was preparing for this message, it's kind of fascinating. I didn't know it. It, it. It switched the entire story. Isaac was probably somewhere between the age of 20 to 30 when this happened. Now, I've had people say, well, you know, if he's 20 to 30, is he really a child? Parents, is your child always going to be your child, no matter how old they are? They'll be 50 years old going, I changed your diaper, boys, sit down and shut up. I mean, because I mean, you're 75 and just, you got no teeth, but you're talking smack to them, you know what I'm saying? So, This this is not accurate. He did not take an infant boy up there. Isaac was somewhere between 20 and 30 years old. We'll say 25 because Abraham was somewhere between 120 and 130 years old. We'll say 125. And and this is disturbing. Why would God ask Abraham? Because if you're Abraham, are you feeling some tension? Yes, absolutely. So verse 3 says this. The next morning, Abraham got up early. And, and let me push the pause. This is once again, this is where I bow out gracefully of just following. I'm like, nope, I'm not in. Abraham was willing to obey God, even though what God was asking of him was tough and he didn't understand. I'm, I'm just gonna confess, I'm not there yet. I the Lord, like, there's some Bible verses that I can quote to you, but I'm not living them out. I'm trying. But that whole, uh, when, when others curse you, you should bless them. Yeah, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. I, I, I discovered this this week when somebody cut me off and I blew my horn and they let me know that they felt like I was number one. And, um, and, and I'm telling y'all, the first thought in my mind, I'm just, and I didn't, I didn't do it, but the first thought in my mind was shoot out their tires. But not them, just, just their tires. And I thought, you know, I started rationalizing in my mind, you know, it's not bad. And I'm not shooting anybody. I just blow out their tires. I'm not there yet. That whole rejoice when you suffer, don't you hate it when you meet a happy Christian and you're suffering and they're not? And they're like, the Bible says you should rejoice when you suffer. And you want to shoot them in the foot and say, rejoice now. I mean, like that's it. But Abraham is following in a difficult time. He saddled his donkey Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. Sure, that's coincidence. Let's just keep reading. And took two of his servants with him. He took how many servants with him? How many servants? Two. Now, when Jesus was crucified, he was crucified with how many people? Two. One on his right and one on his left. And they both served God's purpose because one served as evidence of God's grace and the other served as evidence of God's wrath. It's right here in Genesis 22 some of y'all like you can't read a verse and not make a comment can you nope that's how I knew I was called to preach I woke up quoting the Bible and craving fried chicken and I just knew I was anyway so along with his son Isaac then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him about and all the time he's walking he's feeling This tension, like we feel when we know we're walking towards Jesus, but it's so hard sometimes, isn't it? Okay, it's hard for three people. The rest of y'all got halos, but I mean, three people are like, "Mm, yeah, okay. So the next verse says, on the third day, my God, on the what day? What, What day did Jesus rise on? There's some good stuff that happens in the Bible. On the third day, we should be getting excited about the third day, y'all. That's the day the resurrection took place. Hello, Jesus rose from the dead. Everybody's like, golf clap. Nah, that's the reason we get to be here is because Jesus rose from the dead. We got to celebrate it more than on Easter, okay? So on the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. And he said, stay here with the donkey. I've been watching Shrek. (laughs) Now watch this. Stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there. And then we will come right back. Now I remember reading this going, Abraham, Abraham is telling a lie. Revelation, Revelation, 21.8, 21.8. Liars go to hell, liars go to hell. Burn, 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 Like he's, why are you, y'all didn't know that song? Is I learned it in church. It's really disturbing when you're learning that song and you're singing it going, but I'm a liar. Anyway, thank God for Jesus. He's rose from the dead. I didn't, some of y'all didn't catch that while ago. The boy and I, he, th- this is a lie. Now, before we judge Abraham for lying, haven't we all lied? Come on, when you went to the DMV. <laughs> what if, what if, what if you couldn't get your driver's license unless you told them your correct weight? 90% of us wouldn't drive, right? I said, notice I said us, because I did not tell them my actual weight. I told them my, I'm going I'm to get there. I'm going to get there after the holidays. So he, says, he said, stay here, and we, we're going to go back, and then we're going to go, and we're going to come back. And I, I started thinking, Abraham is lying to people. When you have to start lying to people about your walk with Jesus, this is a problem. Until I, until I read this other thing in the Bible, because the best commentary on the Bible is the Bible, and I discovered Abraham wasn't lying. He really believed this. We're told in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11 is known as the Hall of Faith, Um, And Hebrews chapter 11 says this about Abraham. It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac, even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Watch this. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. So Abraham was like, you know what? God has promised me that this is going to happen through Isaac. So if God wants me to kill him, God's going to bring him back to life. Abraham was prophesying a resurrection in Genesis 22 before anybody knew anything about this man named Jesus who, y'all, he rose from the dead. I don't know if I mentioned that, but it's pretty exciting. To get it. I mean, it's pretty exciting. Y'all ain't got there yet. All right, I'm fine with that. So, so he's he's thinking. I'm following Jesus. This is tough, but because God is God, and because God is good, he's gonna bring something great out of it, even though I don't feel so great right now. You ever been there? So watch what happens. So Abraham, huh. Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the fire and the knife as the two of them walked on together. Huh. So Abraham placed the wood for the offering on Isaac's shoulders and he walked up Mount Moriah. Jesus had a cross of wood placed on his shoulders, and he walked up the same mountain. Y'all see it? Y'all, oh. If I was charismatic, I'd wear a tambourine out right now. I started to bring a hanky tonight and just start waving it because this, ah. This next verse is interesting. Verse 7, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father. Yes, my son. I'm, I'm sure it didn't They just formalized it. Um, Abraham replied, we, uh," Abraham, Isaac said, we have um, the fire and the wood, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? Legitimate question? Yes. Hold on, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So the son had a question for the father. The son had a question. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, he had a question for the father, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's right here in Genesis 22. Whew, I'm getting chill bumps right now. And I got on a hoodie. And so I, I'm sweating and getting chills. What? This is a legitimate question. And uh, Abraham totally Jesus jukes him. You ever had anybody Jesus juke you? They just give you the Jesus answer. This is what, watch what he does. God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. If you're Isaac, that's not the answer you want to hear. Because you grew up, you're 25 years old, you're aware of child sacrifice. And all of a sudden, if you're Isaac, you're like, oh, so that's what this is. And uh, Abraham answered, and they both walked on together. God, this is a 100% Jesus Juke. It's like when somebody tells, like when, when, you, when you're trying to like have a normal conversation with somebody, but you got those hyper Christians you can't have a normal conversation with. Like I was at Death Valley the other day and Clemson scored a touchdown. I was so happy. Well, I'm happy that Jesus is my Lord and he died on the cross. Okay, well, I was just cheering for Clemson. Wow. You, that's why you have no friends. We're, we, okay, you can love football and Jesus, usually Jesus and football. But anyway, I, I'm just saying this is the Jesus Juke. And then this, this next verse, you got to stay with me for a second. I'm going to offend everybody politically. I'm, tr- I'm going to try to f- offend the Republicans and the Democrats. None of the libertarians are here. They're in a state where it's legal to smoke weed, and they're smoking weed. All right, so verse 9. When they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Now imagine Isaac just standing there watching this happen. And he knows what's about to happen to him. And it tells us in the next, he said, then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Now I said this a few weeks ago. Um, I said something about men. When we walk into a room, especially if we perceive that there might be some danger, we measure every man in the room. I could take him, I could take him. I would have to sucker punch him and run, but I could still take him. Uh, I would run from him. Like, we're, we're measuring people up. We measure people up. So, all the men in the room, let's say after the service tonight, somebody met you in the lobby and they said, listen, we're trying to schedule this boxing match and we need you to box. And uh, the, the prize is $50 million. You win $50 million. And you've got to either go three rounds, three three-minute rounds, and you either have to last or you either have to knock your opponent out. Well, for me, I'm just in. I don't even care who the opponent is. But most of us will be like, who's the opponent? And they said, you get to choose. You can choose Donald Trump or Joe Biden. <laughs> Whichever one you don't like, you can just choose that one. Now, a couple warnings. if warnings. If you choose Donald Trump and you beat him, He was going to say it was rigged. So you just need to know that going in. He's like, not a fair fight, not a fair fight. And Joe Biden, he wouldn't even know it was there, right? He was like, "Eh, eh, eh." so now I am not, I'm not suggesting that we go out and beat up presidents. I'm just saying, there's not a man in this room that's like, oh my gosh, I could, oh, oh. I would, I would wear, I would put both, for $50 million, you could put both of them in the ring and tie one hand behind my back and I feel like I would still come out of it. Winning, you know why? I'm not trying to be mean. They're kind of old. That's not mean, that's accurate. Am I correct so far? Yes. So with that in mind, you got Isaac, who's 25. You got Abraham, who's 125. If you're a gambling person and there's going to be a fight, who are you going to put your money on? Isaac, every time, there's always that one, but I would, I would believe in Abraham. No, you wouldn't. You would not bet on Abraham. Abraham is gonna get his butt worn out by Isaac every single time. And if I know you're trying to kill me, that fight's gonna go to the next level. Gentlemen, am I correct? So wait a minute, wait a minute. In order for that to happen, this isn't about just Abraham's sacrifice. Isaac had to willingly put himself on the altar as a sacrifice to honor his father. Just like Jesus willingly went to the cross and died to pay for our sins to honor the father. This story is as much about Isaac's willingness to sacrifice as it is Abraham's willingness to sacrifice. Can you see this? He, he was willing to lay down his life because he trusted the father. And this, this, this is where real good because Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven. Abraham, Abraham. Now, let me pause real quick. What if Abraham was bitter at God? I'm not talking to you. You asked me to do this. This, this. I say this because sometimes we get mad at God. I can't believe you did that. I can't believe you put me through this. I'm never gonna talk to you again. I want nothing to do with you. No, no, Abraham's still willing. Because sometimes... Talk about cancel culture. Sometimes we cancel the miracles that God wants to do in our life because we cut off communication with him because we're angry at him because he did something that we thought was bad, but it was really ultimately for our good. And so, so Abraham goes, um, yes, here I am. And he's probably thinking, what do you want me to do now? You're taking everything I got. Watch this. Don't lay a hand on the boy. And he's like, would you make up your mind. We chopped the wood. We climbed the mountain. I talked him into laying down. We, no, 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 no. Don't hurt him in any way. For now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. A Ram. See if it would have been a GMC or a Ford it wouldn't have got stuck, but them Dodges will get stuck every time. he told me, you're going to make dodge owners mad. I'm not scared because they're dodge owners, all right? So anyway, then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. So he, so he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in the place of his son because God will always provide the sacrifice. If God calls us to something, he'll always provide when we get there, even though we don't see it. And then the next verse says, Abraham named the place yahweh Yara or Jehovah-Jarrah which means the Lord will provide. To this day, people still use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. So Abraham, can we all agree? Walked through the tension. Yes or no? Okay, so stay with me, because some of y'all are like, why does he have those ladders out there? Harold, does he know about the ladders? I know about the ladders. I forgot to mention that at the beginning. Of the service, These ladders are, are serving as my sermon props tonight. Now, I've done this twice so far, and I've walked away injury-free. So if something bad's going to happen, it's going to happen at five. If I fall off one of these things, make sure it goes viral on the Internet. Make sure it, got, well, it, it will go viral. Okay. So this is, this is where we are in life, and this ladder represents us pursuing Jesus and this ladder represents us pursuing the world. And, and let's say, let's say that you're, you're here and at some point you've taken that step and you've given your life to Christ. You've prayed and asked Jesus to come into your life and you've given your life to Christ. You've, you've taken that step. Now, let me pause real quick and say, this is a metaphor for our pursuit of Christ. This is not a metaphor for something that we can do where we get on the third rung or the fourth rung and we look down on people that are on the first rung or no rung and we get to judge them because in Christianity, when we understand grace, we understand there is no moral high ground for any of us. It took the same amount of grace to save us that it did the worst hell bound sinner that you may know. God's grace is amazing. And unless we see it as amazing, we probably never experienced God's grace. So, I, I just don't want people judging people. That's all I'm saying. So, so, so we, we're pursuing Jesus and we're getting ready to go all in. But then, doesn't the enemy know how to distract us from pursuing Jesus? So, we're, we're getting ready to go all in, but then, but, but then that number pops up on our phone from that people, from those people or that person. And we're like, oh. I should not respond to this text. I should not answer this call because if I do, I'm gonna do some things that are not gonna be on the pursue Jesus. Whew. You know what? One more time. And so we, we take a step and we live in the world. Now that, there's a little tension here. And, and a lot of Christians try to live this way. Going between... Are really pursuing Jesus and pursuing the world. And we'll be here on Sunday. I love you, Jesus. love you, Jesus. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, <laughs> Saturday, <laughs> Woo, Sunday. I'll watch it online. I'm just saying that for the people that are at home right now and you're still hungover. I mean, that was a tough one last night. You could, you could be here. That's all I'm saying. I'm not talking to the people in Texas. There's always somebody that tells me, I can't come because I'm in Texas. Well, you know what? You're in Texas. But if you're two minutes down the road, I mean, this happens sometimes. And so, so we, we go back and forth and then, and then maybe something happens. We show up at church and when we started this church, this was our vision. It's real simple. We wanted to create an environment where people, all people, can experience the presence of Jesus every single week. Now, there is no perfect church on the planet, but this is what I know for a fact. I have never been at a service at second chance where the presence of Jesus wasn't in the room. It's, it has no, he always shows up. Now, he might not show up for you, but he always shows up in this house and at the liquor store when we were there okay so'm I'm just I'm just saying so so maybe you come and you, you, you're like man I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna get back on that Jesus thing. and you know what I'm okay okay I'm not doing great but I'm a little better here than I am here and so we you know we take that next step we get baptized or whatever but then doesn't Satan know just what to tempt us with? Like he can't tempt you and me with the same thing. Because some of us, we struggle with certain things and other people struggle with other things. Like, he just can't. Like if he if he held out a bag of drugs, a bag of weed for me, it just wouldn't work. I've never, I've never, doesn't make me a better person. Cause, trust me, Google me. You can see my story. I'm no angel, but I'm just saying, that's never been a temptation for me. But he knows where to tempt us, and we're like, you know what? I mean, it's not gonna kill me. <clears throat> And we, we take that next step and there's two things you need to understand about me right now or anyone in this position. Number one, you feel really vulnerable because you are. And number two, there's tension. Number one, there's tension in the room because you're like, dear God, he's gonna fall. I'm not, I'm, I'm good. But there's tension in the room. Because at some point, you've got to make a decision. You've got to make a decision. Because You know why? I can't go to the next step here and here. It, it's not going to happen. If it, if it does, y'all going to have the Rice Krispies pastors. I'm going to snap, crackle, and pop all the way down to the ground. I, my body don't. So I've got to make a decision. I'm either going to pursue the world or they're going to pursue Jesus. And what I'm asking you tonight, especially those that are in the tension, where the Lord has asked us to pursue him and in order to pursue him, we're going to have to turn our backs on some stuff that's fun and we really enjoy doing. But I'm asking you to consider pursuing Jesus and going all in and then, and then taking that, next step in your walk with Christ and growing closer in your relationship with Him. And the reason why I would ask you to do that is because this ladder behind me is actually an illusion. It's not real. Because the, the world cannot offer us the same thing Jesus can offer us. The best the world can do, the best the world can offer is a two-foot ladder. And there are way too many people in this world climbing two-foot ladders and calling themselves successful and giving up what they could. This, Jesus can take us so much higher and so much further. And it's so much better than anything this world has to offer. Why would we give up this for this is there tension involved? yes is it easy? no is it right? absolutely because Jesus might not make our life easier but he'll make it better and he'll make us better at life so as I descend this ladder slowly I have a question for you that only you can answer which one which ladder are you on? Which ladder? Are you pursuing Jesus? Or are you gonna settle for the two foot ladder that the world says is success? I mean, you can have some fun here, but you'll experience things on this this journey. Listen, God's ways are higher. His plans are greater. And if Jesus gave his life on the cross for us, I'm just telling you, we have the strength and the ability to pursue him and take our next step in our journey with Jesus. So Father, right now, I want to pray and ask you that every single one of us in this room, right now, in this moment, would stop and do a personal evaluation of where we are. With heads bowed and eyes closed. If you're thinking, man, I wish so-and-so could hear this message, you're missing the point missing the point which ladder are you on because I would I would just ask you and beg you before we do the invitation to lay it all on the line for Jesus because he laid it all on the line for us Jesus thank you for tonight Jesus thank you that you didn't hold back when it came to get in fact Jesus you don't hold back by the power of your Holy Spirit we have the strength we you give us the wisdom you give us the courage you will equip us to take that next step father I pray for those here tonight of us that are in the middle of the tension We're heads bowed and eyes closed right now if if you're on the wrong ladder and you need to get on the right one then you can make where you stand your altar, your personal altar to Jesus and just say, Jesus, I'm, I'm coming back to you. Maybe you need to commit to take that next step. You know what that next step is. It involves confessing something. It involves asking for help. You can make that commitment tonight. And maybe you're here tonight and you've never taken that first step. You've never given your life to Christ. You never asked Jesus to come in your life and, and forgive you of your sins and make you a brand new person. And if that's you tonight and you're here, I'm gonna invite you right where you stand. I'm gonna invite you to ask Jesus into your life through prayer. And don't worry, I'm gonna lead you in the prayer. I'm gonna lead you from this stage. But here at Second Chance, we ask you to repeat the prayer out loud. And don't worry, because everybody in the room, we're gonna repeat it with you. We're gonna say it with you so you'll know you're stepping into a relationship with Jesus supported by so many people in this room. So if you know you need to pray to receive Christ, I want you to pray this in second chance family i want us to pray this with them and pray it loud let's let's pray it loud like we mean it say jesus christ i know that i'm a sinner and i need you as my savior i believe you died on the cross and you rose from the grave to pay for my sins and right now jesus i declare you as lord of my life Come in and take over. In Jesus' name I pray. Now with heads bowed and eyes closed all over this room. If you just prayed that prayer and you just asked Christ in your life, you made the most important decision you've ever made in your life. And before you leave tonight, I want to pray with you and I want to pray for you. So if you just prayed that prayer out loud, would you do me a favor and just raise your hand and hold it up high in the air because I want to see. Amen. That was quick. Thank you. So, Amen. Wow. Keep them up. Keep them up. Keep them up. Keep them up up because i want to make sure i see everybody i want to make sure get that is amazing jesus thank you that all day long today you have saved people in every service today god you have made people brand new i thank you for every person jesus that prayed to receive you tonight for every person just raised their hand god that right now right now jesus you would fill them with so much hope and so much peace and they would know from this moment they will never walk alone because you will never leave us you will never forsake us for the rest of us in this room Jesus that know that difficult decision that we need to make may we be be reminded of the words of the apostle Paul in Philippians 4:13 i can do all things through christ who strengthens me we thank you for this promise we declare it in jesus name we pray everybody in the room that agreed said amen are you glad you came to church tonight let's give the lord a hand y'all have a great week we'll see y'all back next sunday